Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Forestry podcast. I'm your host, Seth Stevenson, the Communications Coordinator with the Arkansas Forestry Association. And before I introduce my guest this month, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors, Data Scout Pro. Thank you to Data Scout Pro for their support of this episode. We're going to hear a little bit more from them later on in the show. But now we're going to get to our topic this month and our guest. Today I'm sitting down with Congressman Bruce Westerman, the only, and correct me if I'm wrong, Congressman, the only registered forester in Congress. Is that correct still? That's, that's correct. Awesome. Been awesome. that way ever since I got there. Good, good. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me today. It's always good to uh, get back to Arkansas and talk forestry, and glad to be with you, Seth. Looking forward to our discussion. And hopefully this will be a little less stressful than the work you're doing on, on Capitol Hill. We know we're just having a nice, Tree, friendly chat today. Trees so. are relaxing, <laughs> except when you yeah. talk about trees and, and federal policy, so it may get a little tense here. Well, well, I'll try to keep, yeah. my, keep my emotions in check today, so we should all be good. Uh, well, Congressman, uh, what we like to do here at the beginning, especially with a new guest, is have you kind of explain your background. So could you kind of tell people who you are and how you got to where you are today well i'm bruce westerman i grew up in hot springs arkansas was born and raised there went to high school there except for going away to college <clears throat> lived there pretty much my whole life um i uh, grew up in forest uh hunting and fishing from the earliest uh, things i can remember uh, so i've always had a natural love for for forestry and you know i have to always remember a mentor of mine who was my uh, childhood Sunday school class teacher, a guy named Conley Culpepper, who was a World War II veteran, <clears throat> flew on the Flying Fortresses in the Bloody 100th. Um, you would never know that just by talking to him, but he was definitely a war hero. Uh, but he came back from World War II and went to UAM and was in the first graduating class from the forestry school at UAM, wow. and he had a long career in forestry. Uh, with the Dirks Forest Products Company, with Warehouser for a while, and then he had his own consulting firm. But, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with Mr. Culpepper, uh, hunting with him, um, just, uh, you know, a friend of the family. He had seven sons, and some of them were close to my age. So uh, I was always amazed that he knew everything about the forest, not just the trees, not just being able to identify the trees of Arkansas, but any kind of grasses or plants, and he knew everything about wildlife, and I was always amazed by that. So I uh, wanted to go to forestry school someday. I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Arkansas and studied engineering and uh, was able to go back and go to Yale University for forestry school. Okay. And so I guess Mr. Culpepper was the main reason that you got to where you are or be, got into the forestry. He definitely field. gave me an interest in in forestry. Mm -hmm. I, when I was in high school, I was in FFA and I took uh, ag classes on forestry. So I had a little bit of an understanding of forestry. And like I said, I was around forest all my mm -hmm. life. And uh, also, you know, a lot of other people um, that I knew were in the forestry business because that's that's big stuff in, uh, in Arkansas mm -hmm. and in Hot Springs and around that area. So, and we may have to, <laughs> we'll see how this goes here, but is there a memory or maybe a story with him that you remember very vividly or the one that stands out the most uh, from, your, from your days, maybe hunting or, you know, at the end of Sunday school or something? Yeah, well, I remember he used to, um, he would take us to Lake Washita to, mm -hmm. to go swimming or whatever, and we would, we would fish together too, but... Um, I can remember being out fishing with Mr. Culpepper, and 
we were on Lake Washington. He's one of the people that crews the timber in the before the lake was built. So you'd be out there in a boat, and he'd be telling you about all these stories when they marked the timber and when they logged it. And he'd be telling about there was an old field here and a fence line. And you could, with the dead timber, you could visualize uh, where all of those places were. And he told stories about uh, wild goats getting trapped up on some of the islands when the lake flooded. Uh, just <clears throat> amazing things he would mm-hmm. tell. And he was talking about it like it was yesterday you know, when he was out cruising that timber. Okay. So after you uh, went to college, you worked with a couple of different places before you became a, a congressman, correct? Well, my first job out of college was with Rossland Foods down mm-hmm. in Stuttgart. I was the plant engineer, was there about two years, got a chance to move back to Hot Springs and go to work at Mid-South Engineering Company, which is a member of AFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been very familiar with AFA uh, for for a long time. And uh, you know, we had we did engineering work in the forest product sector. People asked me, "What did you do before you got to Congress?" I said, "Well, we basically designed factories that made things out of trees. So everything from uh, lumber to plywood to OSB and MDF, and uh, even some work on paper mills. So we, uh, I had a very pretty thorough knowledge of of what it takes to uh, supply the resources that come from our forest." Uh, so it was, a, it was a great experience that I had there at Mid-South. And, and I have to ask, the obligatory ask, I guess, what drew you to AFA? Was it a required thing with Mid-South, or it, what, did you see something that you kind of came to us on your own? Because you've been a member for a while, and uh, you've also been, you're also on our board currently. Right. It was just, I mean, it's part of doing business. Mm-hmm. We worked all over, really all over the world, especially in the Southeast, anywhere where Southern Pine's grown. So... Um, you know, we wanted to stay informed with the things that were going on, and AFA was a great place uh, for us to keep up with what was happening in our industry. Uh, you know, we attended a lot of meetings across the country, but, uh, you know, as far as what was happening here in Arkansas with forestry, uh, AFA was the place to be. Okay. It's a, it's a tight community, too. So, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you, uh, you get to know everybody, and still today, um, you know, when I get to go to an AFA meeting, it's like we would say old home week here. <laughs> you're back visiting with friends. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not just a congressman at that point. You're, you know, part of the group, one of the gang, almost everyone's very friendly and welcoming uh, right. when, when, when you get the opportunity to join us at stuff like that. So I guess I'm asking all of this and trying to get your background and stuff to show your, your history in the forestry community, um, but I guess when you were first elected to Congress back in 2014, you you were you worked as an elected official here in the state for a little bit before then. Um, but when you were first elected to Congress, what was important to you at that time? Well, from a from a policy standpoint, you know, Congress touches everything mm-hmm. uh, more so than I even realized when I was running. So, uh, you know, on the, on the big picture, I want to look at you know how do we make um, Congress or how we make the federal government more effective, how we, you know, hopefully shrink the size of the government and the influence that it has in our lives and give the private sector more opportunities to do what the private sector does best. Um, you know, when I got to Congress, uh, I found that I was one of 12 engineers and the only forester there. So, you know, if you go into Congress with some expertise, people recognize that and they want you to work on those issues. So I ended up on the Transportation Committee and on the Natural Resources Committee. And I've I've been very blessed in my service. I'm actually serving as the ranking member on the Natural Resources Committee now. I've 
if Republicans win the majority this November, I'll get to be the chairman of that committee. And uh, I came to Congress at a time when we're seeing unprecedented uh, wildfires and insect Mm -hmm. and disease infestation on federal lands. So there's a lot of uh, important issues that come before our committee and important forestry-related issues that I've had a, a wonderful opportunity to work on those. So I guess if, if real quick, because you're touching on something too that I want to get to before we wrap up today, but when you found out that you were the only forester out of, because that's a large group of folks that you're working with, um, the, but that you were the only forester, what was that like? I guess, did, was there a sense of maybe responsibility that you felt at that time when you learned that, that, okay, I got, I got some work to do here? Yeah, responsibility and a lot of opportunity. And you know, John Boehner was speaker when I f- first went to Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Ryan ended up being the speaker, and I, I tell a funny story about I started to back up a group called the Working Forest Caucus, uh, and this looks really at our private working forest across the country. Great group, uh, and even a lot of bipartisan work in that group. But I, I go to the gym in the mornings, and Paul Ryan was always in the gym, and we were back at the sink shaving, getting ready for the day. I said, Paul, you should join the Working Forest Caucus. And he just looked at me funny and said, well, why is that? I said, well, it's a, it's a good caucus, a lot of members in it. And he was, I could tell he was puzzled. And he said, well, what, what kind of workforce, like workforce development? I said, not workforce, <laughs> working force. And he just looked at me and I said, forest, like trees. He went, oh, he said, in Wisconsin, forest has two syllables in it. <laughs> so uh, he, uh, he started, he, till, still today, if I talk to him, he'll call me forest. Um, <laughs> there you go. So, but I'll, I'll take that. I was about to say, there's worse things to be called for sure, you know? Yeah, so, so I, had, I had the Speaker of the House that he understood that forests were important, and, uh, and he had somebody there in Congress that could work on that. So it's, um, it, it opens a lot of doors to work on issues, mm-hmm. really, when you start talking about conservation and all the concern about the environment today. Uh, forests are the, the link pin in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we measure uh, environmental health through air quality and water quality, and forests play an integral role in both of those. So it gives me an opportunity to advocate on behalf of forests, and not just forests on federal lands, but also private forests. Those working forests that we have here in Arkansas and across the country are something we can all be very proud of. They supply uh, all kinds of products that make our economy strong. Uh, they also provide a lot of jobs, and they provide tremendous benefits to the environment. So uh, hats off to all the people working in the forest industry you know, all across this great country. Uh, we've got a lot of work we need to do mm-hmm. uh, to make improvements, especially on federal lands, but we know how to do it. And, um, you know, I say it, it's as good as it gets right here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We've got a great group uh, work, uh, working across party lines, working across um, industry and, uh, and advocacy lines. You know, I brought a, a member of Congress here on a, in a kind of an exchange trip, and we had the Forestry Association, the loggers, the Nature Conservancy, and the Forestry Commission, we were all sitting at the at the table, mm-hmm. and they were all singing off the same sheet of music. And my friend from California was just amazed that you would have uh, industry and environmental groups talking about how uh, when we work together, it's better for the forest and better for uh, 
for our economy and, and the environment here in Arkansas. And I know that's a sense of uh, pride that we have here, and, and I'm sure that you've, you've shared with your colleagues that we are all working together and all have the same message to tell. And we're not trying to, we're not butting heads with each other trying to get our own, I guess, leg up on whatever we're trying to do. Right. And that crosses over, uh, you know, there's a lot of Washita National Forest and Ozark National mm-hmm. Forest, not only in Arkansas, but, but in my district, I've got about 2 million acres of federal land in the fourth district. And, uh, and we've had some very good leadership on those forests. Uh, I'm sorry to see, uh, my friend Troy Hethaker, he, he's been promoted to D.C. He'll be mm-hmm. moving up there, which is good in a way because he's moving higher up in the Forest Service. But he's done a tremendous job mm-hmm. out on the Washita, and he's worked very well with Joe Fox. And they're, they're putting together some exciting stuff using the Good Neighbor Authority that we uh, approved in Congress uh, to be able to do a lot more management on the Washita, which is, uh, I say, the best managed national forest in the system. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on it. Anybody that's familiar with the forest knows that, but there's a lot of work that's good work that's been done on it, especially af, out of the uh, shortly pine blue stem grass uh, restoration project, uh, where we're now trapping red cockaded woodpeckers uh, and lo- relocating them to other places because that project has been so successful. And really, if we could make the entire Washita National Forest look like that, I think we will be ahead in a lot of different areas because um, that's really what the forests looked like before uh, Europeans got here. Mm-hmm. Some of the early, earliest European explorers wrote in their journal that you could ride a horse at full gait through the Washita National Forest. You had wild bison and elk and uh, a lot of wildlife there. Uh, and with the demand for access to public lands for recreation, like uh, hunting and hiking and mountain biking uh, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity on the public lands that we have here in arkansas uh, to make them even better than they are and create more opportunities for more people to enjoy okay well congressman i'll tell you what we're going to take a quick pause right here so we can hear from our sponsors this month data scout pro we'll be back on the other end of this sponsorship Data Scout Pro is your source for county land records and GIS data. Search anytime, anywhere through their sophisticated search engine or the new DS Pro app available in the Apple App Store. Utilize their analysis tools while browsing millions in Arkansas and Oklahoma records. Visualize the data on their advanced interactive mapping system. Access all of these features from your office, home, or mobile device. They feature data for all 75 Arkansas counties and 77 Oklahoma counties and provide more data updates than their competitors. Go pro today at datascoutpro.com. All right, thank you once again to Data Scout Pro for their sponsorship of this month's episode. So, Congressman Westerman, uh, we've kind of talked a lot about your history, and I want to get into some of the stuff that you're working on currently. So can you talk about some of the legislation that you've been kind of focused on here over the past couple months or even years? Yeah, there's a lot of legislation that we're working on, um, and I'll, I'll keep it kind of to the forestry realm. Um, you know, our committee deals with energy and minerals, and we've got a huge energy crisis in our country. Also, uh, we've got a huge mining crisis in our country. But uh, when I look at the work that we've done on, uh, on forestry, I'm excited about some of the opportunities ahead. I'll, I'll highlight one bill mm-hmm. 
It's called the Save Our Sequoias Act, and I think it offers a lot of opportunity for federal lands across the country. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but in the past two years, we've burned up about 20% of the giant sequoias uh, that only grow on about 37,000 acres on uh, approximately 70 groves on the western slopes of the Sierra Nevadas, usually above 4,500 feet in elevation. Very um, distinct sites that these sequoias grow on. That's the only place they grow in the world, and they're actually the most iconic tree on the planet. If you look at the Park Service's uh, emblem, they have the giant sequoia on the emblem, and everybody pretty much knows about them or have heard mm -hmm. about them. Uh, and back when I was in forestry school, if you had told us that we were going to destroy 20% of the giant sequoias with uh, fire, people would laugh because everybody thought these trees were pretty much impervious to fire. But uh, it's we've had getting close to a century and three quarters, or almost a century and a half of mismanagement on these sequoia groves. A uh, lot of academic research showing that for hundreds of years, and, and again, these trees can be 3,200 years mm -hmm. old, but for centuries, they were averaging about 31 fires per century on the groves. After the gold rush in California, uh, the Native Americans quit burning, and then the Forest Service came along in the early 1900s, and they started putting out all the fires. So as a result, in the 20th century, those groves averaged three fires. And you've got these shade-tolerant white fir trees that grow up in the understory that the fires used to knock them back. Mm -hmm. But with the fire suppression, these trees are, you know, over 100 years old now, and the tips of them are up in the lower crowns of the sequoias. So when the fire finally got there, uh, these trees served as ladder fuel, got the flames up in the crowns of the sequoias, and that's what killed them. I made a trip out there in May, and, you know, entire groves of giant sequoia trees just um, matchsticks, uh, charred matchsticks, it was heartbreaking to see these huge trees destroyed by fire. The Forest Service said up until that point, the the only record they had of a monarch sequoia being destroyed in, by fire was in 1267, wow. which we all know trees are a living history book. Mm -hmm. They tell you a, a story. Uh, so I went to Kevin McCarthy because 64 of these 70 groves are in his district. And... Uh, this was probably about a year ago, and I said, we've got to do something for these sequoia trees or we're going to lose them. I said, these are the most iconic trees on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, he was all for it, and I said, it's got to be bipartisan. I said, this is this can't be a partisan issue. And uh, he said, well, you, you work on it and let me know what you got. I ended up making a, a long trip all halfway around the world and back on a codel with um, some Democrat senators and Democrat members of the House. And I, I had them captured on an airplane, so I had all my research <laughs> papers, and I'd just sit down by them and say, look mm -hmm. what's happening to the sequoia trees. And, uh, you know, they got it. Mm -hmm. And a guy named Scott Peters, a Democrat from San Diego, environmental lawyer, he said, we've got to do something to, to fix this. So we, we planned a field hearing. We had three Republicans, three Democrats went out in May to the Sequoia Groves. And as a result of that, we came up with this uh, Save Our Sequoias Act. It's got 25 Republican, 25 Democrat co-sponsors. And I've got high hopes that we may get it signed into law by the end of the year. Awesome. And it's really how policy should be done. Mm -hmm. And the exciting thing is, 
is this is kind of a no-brainer when it comes to forestry. It's not a hard uh, hard sell on what needs to be done. You mm-hmm. need to cut these white fir trees and cut some sugar pine trees out so that you don't have the ladder fuels, and you're not really doing anything to the giant sequoias. Uh, so as a result, we got the Nature Conservancy, the Environmental Defense Fund, say the Redwoods League, and about 80 or 90 other groups that have written support letters for our bill. Now, there's still some far-left groups that, of are, course. that are opposing this um, science-based management mm-hmm. out there on the forest. But it's I'm excited about it because if we can show that we can be good stewards and manage in these giant sequoia groves, I mean, this is they're on National Park, they're on Forest Service, the Tule River Tribe, and the state of California is where all these groves are mm-hmm. located. So if we can do that across a broad sector of land ownerships and show something good happens, um, then maybe people will say, well, why don't we do this to the rest of the forest in the West mm-hmm. that are burning up? Well, that brings me kind of as we get close to wrapping up here, that kind of brings me to my next question is, you know, like like we said, here in Arkansas, we all kind of sing the same song of proper forest management and that's obviously not the case in other parts of even the USA but have you seen progress with other states or with other congress uh, congress people in trying to help them to know proper forest management what that means and how beneficial it is to Oh us? yeah it's a it's an educational process mm-hmm. and there's no better way that 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 field trip we made uh, to Kevin McCarthy's district where you're out in the woods and you, you can see it mm-hmm. and it's like the light bulb comes on. So when I'm chairman of the natural resources committee, we're going to do a, a lot of traveling. Uh, I mentioned, I went to Yale forestry school. They have a forest. That's one of the oldest managed forests in the country with records on it. So uh, we're already planning a trip next spring to go up to the Yale forest. And, you know, they've never done a NEPA analysis on the Yale forest. Mm-hmm. They cut timber off of it every year because it's a private school and they have to fund the, they, the forest can't be a drain on the school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would uh, challenge anybody to go look at it and say they wouldn't want to see federal land managed this way. Um, so, so getting out and seeing things, you know, I brought a group of uh, congressmen through the Western Caucus to Arkansas earlier this spring Mm -hmm. and we got to get out and see some private land management uh, see some of the big mills in Arkansas and go out on the Forest Service and especially the folks from out west they were just blown away that uh, it could work this way in Arkansas and they were really motivated to make it want to work that way uh, where they live Uh, and you know we're seeing these devastating forest fires the damage that it causes to the air quality and to uh, water into wildlife habitat mm-hmm. and everybody knows there's got to be a better way to do it it's just uh, congress is a slow process <laughs> yeah yeah i i can uh, i can imagine but arkansas is a prime example of the great way or the right way of how to do something like that yeah and I, you know i travel a lot out west and visit a lot of tribes our committee also has jurisdiction over tribal issues mm-hmm. and uh it's a stark contrast when you see a reservation next to a national forest and the national forest is a burned over moonscape and the tribal reservation is a beautiful Mm -hmm. forest with abundant wildlife on it so it's we know it can be done in those areas and it can be done properly and everybody benefits when that happens Mm -hmm. all right well congressman is there anything else you want to say or you want to add before we wrap things up here oh yeah i just again want to give a shout out to arkansas we're leading in the country i believe when you look at what's happening with 
with Mass Timbers, with Walmart building their new corporate headquarters out of Mass Timber. Uh, that's an exciting advancement there. Uh, but uh, we also, I think we need to lead on, on biofuels mm-hmm. and what to do with residual material. There's some exciting things happening there. I could spend a whole show <laughs> talking to you about the biochar bill that mm-hmm. I'm working on and some exciting things in uh, uh, biofuels that uh, I think I think Arkansas is very well positioned um, from a forestry standpoint and from an agriculture standpoint. We're blessed with abundant water. We're blessed with uh, beautiful forest, and we're blessed with an economy uh, that can sustain uh, uh, those things. So, uh, you know, I'm glad to be from Arkansas, glad to have the opportunities that I have, and uh, just really honored to have been a longtime member of AFA and get a chance to come on the podcast, Seth. Well, we are honored to have you both in AFA and here on the show and representing uh, the forestry sector there in D.C. So thank you, Congressman, for joining me. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks. And we want to thank you guys for joining us as well today. For more information on the Arkansas Forestry Association, you can find us at arcforest.org. That's A-R-K-F-O-R-E-S-T-S. And again, thank you to Data Scout Pro for their sponsorship of the show. And a special thank you, as always, to Rob McCormick slash Some Guy Named Rob for the use of our theme song, The Same Love. That's off of his album, The Folkster. You can find more of his music on Spotify. And as always, we'll have a link to his website where you can get details on any shows that he might be doing or any more music that he has going on. So you can find that in the description of this episode. And join us next month when we'll have a new topic, a new discussion, and a new voice of forestry.